We are back. So I was off in France during the break, and Claire was shuttling her kids around town from swim practice to piano camp. And now, somewhat rejuvenated, we're thrilled to be back talking all things STEM. So in this episode, I reflect on my first time teaching undergraduate pre-service students, while Claire shares a student question she will never answer. We also tackle the topic of how we over-engineered the goals of engineering. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Natasha, welcome back. Claire, it's so good to talk to you. It's been a long time. Yes, a long time and over many miles. So you're back from France where you've been since I don't even remember. I don't know. I don't <laughs> uh, all I know, I left right after. It was like a crazy end of semester. Like I came back home after being gone for a month and a half and like was remembering my life. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, I had, like, defended my PhD proposal. I had, like, taught a class and I was wrapping up finals. I had the Space Colony competition with Space Club. And then I got on an airplane and went to France and dropped off for six whole weeks. It was crazy. I'm so thankful to be back, though. (laughs) Wonderful trip. I can't complain. I was in Europe and went all over with my kids, my family. But it's good to be home. Yes. I mean, I was super jealous of the amazing views and the fresh food that you were getting from the marketplace and all the experiences. I I ate a tomato today and I had to spit it out. It was disgusting. (laughs) From the store? From from the the store. store. Yeah. Grocery store. Like you can't beat fresh Mm -hmm. tomatoes from a farm. Every day I would walk out of the apartment we were in and the market would have like strawberries and cucumbers and all like the latest, but the tomatoes, like the size of your head, like they were so good. Oh, yeah. And, but then I couldn't talk to you and that was frustrating. So Because we would Marco, but you would be asleep or I would be asleep or it would, yeah, the time zone thing really threw us off. And even though we like, I guess, do people know what Marco is? (laughs) I say this like it's a normal thing. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Marco Polo, the app that we use to talk to ourselves while we're sending the messages to each other. So (laughs) basically... Go ahead. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, I don't know what it's like. Snapchat? Is that the... the, I don't know. I've never used that, so I shouldn't be using it. (laughs) You take a video of yourself, and then you send that as a video message to the other person. And that... Uh, I got into Marco Polo and suggested we use it all the time because another influencer used it to get used to being on camera. And that's how she became a good podcaster, a good person on like professional development videos. It's because she said, I'm so used to talking to myself on Marco. So I thought, oh, we should use that so we can get better at being on camera. And I think it's really helpful. So, and it's really great for staying in touch. Yeah. And it's, it is weird, though, because you're just looking at yourself. It's like having a conversation with yourself in the mirror and then imagining what the other person's reaction is. 
but there's no one to stop you. So I just have monologues <laughs> and I ask you like 10 questions and it's like a 10 minute Marco. And then you're taking notes on the other side. <laughs> Our mar- Marcos are actually pretty intense. They are. I think I started bookmarking them when I was like, oh, this is important. But then I was like bookmarking all of them. And so that wasn't <laughs> helpful, but definitely taking notes. I think it's makes for really efficient meetings Mm. because then you have time to think about things where when you're doing a dialogue like this, it's like, oh, you need to respond right away. So you you can't really, really think about it. So I, I, I recommend Marco Polo for those of you out there who want to stay in touch with people or be efficient with your meetings, I guess. (laughs) It's not sponsored. That's right. (laughs) But despite uh, having Marco Polo, we were unable to stay in touch very well or record a podcast. So it's good to be back, to be able mm-hmm. to talk and catch up on life. A lot has happened in the last six weeks. Is that how long you were gone? It felt like years, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me uh, how your semester ended. Cause when you just got on the plane, it was like right after you had finished teaching. Mm. So I just finished my last semester and I had to submit a course evaluation. I'm assuming your students did too. <laughs> did you get oh, them? Yeah. I was kind of nervous. Um, I mean, like I thought it went well, like they told me they liked the class. So it was really nice to actually get the feedback, but the way the last thing we did Okay, I'm putting myself back into teaching mode. You know how teachers, like, you're on summer break. You're like, I don't want to think about anything. I don't want to think about <laughs> grading and lesson planning. So, okay, got to get back into teaching mode. Um, we had just done the rocket launch. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And I was, like, super nervous about it because I was like, I'm just going to walk out on the field in the middle of this campus, this college campus, and just hope it all goes well. Um, and it was incredible. The students... Like they had never done anything like that before. And these are college students. They were so excited. They were like kindergartners, like launching this rocket. And we had um, like we made this big circle. We set up the launches. And of course, the first one doesn't go off because someone tripped over the the launch. Oh, no. Like pulled it off. That's like the only thing that can go wrong. Right. (laughs) Right. It's not properly attached. Or your Um, batteries. You need new batteries. Batteries. Yes. But the other challenge with college students, which I don't have with middle school, is they all have to have their Starbucks coffee. Nope. Right? So they're with their, like, ice lattes or whatever. And I'm like, put down the coffee. Put up the rocket launch. And so people were tripping on coffees. Like, it was a coffee hazard. What? (laughs) That I was not prepared for. Always something you don't expect. It was coffee this year. Um, But everything, every single person's rocket launched. And this one group of girls that has been my struggling group, like they have no confidence in teaching science. They came in saying, I will never teach science. I don't like science, like that attitude. And their experiences in the class, they would get really frustrated because they were forced to think and they don't like that. Mm, and I was allowed, I know, <laughs> allowed them to make mistakes. Like I would never tell them how to do the experiment. And when I, even if I knew it was going in the wrong direction, right? You gotta let them learn. And they started building confidence though, because they realized that I wouldn't tell them the answer, but they could figure it out. And the day of the launch, they're like, Miss, this isn't gonna launch. This is gonna go so terribly. Our our like projects always do bad. Like we're always the last one to finish, you know. And I was like, guys, it's gonna be great. 
Um, so of course there's was a beautiful launch and the two of the girls actually started crying. They were just so happy. Wow. And it was just like this moment that it all came together. Um, and now I'm like reading over their, um, like the feedback they gave of the course. And so some of the comments were, they love that I let them take charge of their own learning, um, that I go above and beyond to make sure everyone understands, but has fun. And then someone mm. said, this is the best science course they've ever had. And they, because she makes us think for ourselves instead of following a step-by-step -step experiment, which makes it more fun and helps us learn more. I'm like, yes. Oh, okay. Question. I mean, yeah. Those are amazing. And that's like the best feedback that you would want from your students. Did you, and I don't know how to phrase this correctly where it doesn't sound like you're being selfish because I don't think that you are, but did you prompt them on why you weren't give like telling them what to do or giving them the answer like did you direct them say I'm not going to give you the answer because and then what she took from it is that what your words were no actually I did that on purpose I set up the very first day we talked about this on the podcast the mystery box mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of your like classic get to know you, I'm like, you have to figure out what's in this box with questions. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> making them talk and they're asking me questions and then I never tell them the answer. Now looking back, that was just the perfect way to set up this class because everything that followed was forcing them to ask questions and then never telling them the answer. <laughs> they had to figure it out themselves. And mm -hmm. it was a very frustrating process in the beginning. And I bet if I evaluated, got like feedback on the course in the beginning, they would have been like, so frustrating. I never <laughs> know if I'm right, you know? And it yep. was only after the second half, after we did like the midterm, is I, I switched more into when you become a teacher, here's why I'm doing this. Kind of thinking more on the pedagogy side of showing mm -hmm. them like what you've experienced in my class is how I want you to teach. And I had my very last lecture, whatever class was all about that. It was like, let me put into perspective what I did in this class. Cause they had already told me like, I love this class. I love how hands-on it is. And I was like, here's why this is important. I wanted you to think, I wanted you to take these concepts that usually are in a textbook that you memorize and teach them to yourself in a way that you understand and make sense to you and not me just handing it to you. Um, and the, the best moment that day was helping them understand, okay, they're in college. And the way I taught this class was how I want them to teach their first graders and their fifth graders. And it was so hard to get across that idea. So I shared the video. Remember you sent me the video of your students from the past during the wheelchair project? Yes. They'd been in communication with a group of fourth graders in your classroom. They absolutely loved that. Uh, and I was like, I wanna show you what these students are capable of. Oh my gosh. The reactions <laughs> to that video, like, I've never had a whole class cry in a good <laughs> Like, they're all like, oh, my God, how are you doing this? <laughs> so yeah. for the listener out there who's like, what are, what are you talking about? This is a video from my fourth grade students a couple years ago where we built a motorized wheelchair. And there's a podcast that talks all about the project. But uh, basically, there is a foundation called Open Wheelchair Foundation that matches you with a child that's in need of a motorized wheelchair. Most insurances do not cover that. 
So this is a program that matches people who are able to donate their time and skills to build one, and they provide you the plans. You just have to buy all the supplies, uh, source them, and follow their plans to build it to the exact dimensions that will fit a specific child. So this video shows the little girl who's in New York that we built the wheelchair for. And my fourth grade students did all of the building. So they followed the instructions, built it out of PVC, wired it, it had a little uh, harness, wiring harness to the little joystick that moved the wheels. They 3D printed some parts and built this wheelchair. And just the way that the students thought about themselves and how before they started the project, they're like, "Uh, there's no way I can build a wheelchair for somebody. I'm only in fourth grade. And so in this video, it shows them having this confidence and saying, I learned that I can make a difference. And so it shows this little girl and who they made it for and the process that my students went through. So that was the video that you showed to your students to Mm -hmm. show what their future students are capable of. And that's the message that I ended on. I was like, if you take anything out of this class is that you're capable of doing this with your students. You can launch a rocket. Like you did that today and you could do that with your third graders, right? You could have them build a wheelchair. You could have them design a habitat on moon or Mars. And that's what we hope with Vivify and like this podcast is that we want to empower educators to do this in their classroom. Like, don't look at us as two engineers that are like, oh, I could never, you know, be the one doing a weather balloon. Like, yes, like you really can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we give you the lessons. We're here to talk it out with you and hopefully encourage you to try it yourself. It's getting over that fear of failure and that you're not capable of it. And that was like my motto going into this class is I care less about the science concepts that they're learning and that they believe that they are able to do science and to learn science. If I can shift that way of thinking, that's everything. And now I have in my feedback, they're saying, I never thought I could learn science and now I wanna teach science. Like I had never thought about teaching it and this Mm. class made me wanna do it. And I'm like, yes, that's it. And you empowered them by not being their crutch. Yeah. So, yeah. So how, how can we as teachers do that for younger kids? Does that translate in the same way? Yeah. And that was the message. Like we talked about this is how do I convince them? (laughs) They're going to be first and second and third grade teachers that the way I Mm -hmm. taught my class is the way they should teach their class. Mm -hmm. And yes, like there, there's going to be moments where you're going to have to help your students with the lab and that's the scaffolding is that big word that we always use, but basically you build some supports and then you start taking them away. So let's say you're trying to build their data collection skills, right? Model how to do it. And then the next lab, don't give them any support and see what happens. And they'll build off of previous experiences. So you can't just throw them in (laughs) and let them figure it out. You have to make sure like you throughout the year, you're building up that foundation, but then giving them the opportunity to apply it to a new scenario. Mm -hmm. It's that learning cycle that we always go back to. It's like you start with an experience you help them build the concepts and then let them apply those concepts to a new situation. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the biggest thing that I've tried to do with my students is to get rid of the question of, well, how do I do it? 
Mm. Like I'm never going to answer that question. I love questions, but I'm never going to answer that one. You, I will show you how to do it and I will help you figure it out, but I'm not going to walk you step by step. I want you to ask questions in order to figure it out yourself. Okay, <laughs> so that's a hard for one. You, Claire. Uh-huh. I've been thinking yeah. about this a lot. So I, I'm doing a whole PhD on engineering education and I just presented at the American Society of Engineering Education, right? All these people, all they mm-hmm. care about is educating future engineers. And there's mm. a whole committee on K-12. And we've added engineering into K-12, like next generation science standards. And if you read them, they're all about these engineering practices and how we want to systematically test and iterate and blah, 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 right? Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> a lot of thoughts here, but... So if you talk to a science teacher, they've probably already done the build a boat challenge to talk about buoyancy. And they've probably done some kind of like bridge challenge to talk about forces. So engineering in a sense has already been in the science curriculum. Mm -hmm. And now we're trying to like really um, formalize it and add these like structures to it. And I'm wondering if the shift towards like engineering is really a shift towards more adding exploration, creativity, and play back into school. And that by like, (laughs) by adding in these like really strict standards, we're making it not great. Okay. You started, you started giggling because you can see me. I can see you. And I was, (laughs) I was doing the preach. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Uh, So yes, I feel like we have, we are making the correct directional shift back towards creativity because that is what I feel like is the difference between what we, how we have been doing school and what we're trying to shift back towards the, the buzzword when STEM came back in the picture, I think was when it kind of started, people were saying, well, we've gotten so far away from what it looks like in the real world. How do we bring that back? So connecting it to careers, making sure that we're project-based and mimicking what kids will really experience by combining their knowledge, being able to transfer what they're learning in specific subjects to combine it. And then with going directly into engineering, and you're talking about engineering practices, that is that exploration and figuring out, well, how can I apply what I've learned to something else? And then adding in that creativity, that brainstorming process that we're trying to teach, but in a way that's more open-ended, that's the key. And I think like what you're doing in your classroom with this phenomenon-based kind of inquiry Mm -hmm. that you're doing is so powerful for kids because it gets them to really first wonder, they're bewildered at what you're doing. Like right. what in the world is in that box yeah. or, or like when you explode something, that's, that's what I plan on doing. Um, I decided that this year's the year it's my fourth year at this school. I feel like I've gained enough um, autonomy is maybe the right word. But you're going back to the classroom, right? I am. How do you and feel? I do- I am super excited and I feel like I cannot get fired at this point. I probably shouldn't say that on air, 
but I, but I think today I'm going to, I mean, this year I'm going to start off day one not by exploding something and just, or catching something on fire and see if I can get away with that. But just to, to get kids to be like, wow, and get them to start asking these questions and then get their creativity going be like, this is not a structured class. I mean, it is, but the way it's your brain works, I, yeah, I'm not going to just force feed you concepts. I want you to apply them. And that's a hard thing to teach, but they're not used to learning that way. And so I'm excited to see where the standards might be coming down the line to help with this. Um, but well, yeah, that's my plan. don't get too excited about that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how. Listening, yeah. don't, don't look at the standards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's great that they've added engineering what I'm concerned with is we have over-engineered <laughs> the mm, standards. Mm. And when you go talk to what was the most useful thing to you as an engineer, right? Like you enter freshman year, undergrad engineering, and I'm about to do a whole PhD project on this. So hang in there with me because I'll be talking <laughs> about this all semester. My goal with this uh, dissertation is to really unpack what are developmentally appropriate learning goals for engineering at middle school. Because what the standards say we should do is systematic testing, iterative design, to me are words that are used at a senior level capstone design project that a 21 year old does. And by adding that to a middle school classroom, it overwhelms the teacher, first of all, like, what is that, you know? And then it's like taking away the whole intent of a design challenge, like apply these science concepts in a way that's really fun and creative and play-based in my opinion, and turns it into like a very structured and cookie cutter <laughs> approach. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to unpacking that more. That's just, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have lots of uh, plans that I'm excited to tell you about that I'm working oh. on this year yeah. and I am interested to know if it fits within what you hope to prove with your dissertation mm. so maybe stay tuned I'm gonna leave that as a cliffhanger I like it <laughs> okay well thanks Natasha for sharing your thoughts and I am so excited to see what comes of all the stuff with your teachers that you've sent out into the world to become science teachers and help their students with this process. Until next time, STEM Space out. Do you have a question about STEM education or how to teach it? Email us at info at vivifystem.com. We would love to help and maybe even discuss it on a future podcast episode.